What's going on, everyone? That you know, I got so and so in stereo podcast is back. Kyle here with Ed, and look who's back! Back from listening to a double album by Music Soul Child, none other than Tom himself. What's going on, Tom? What's up, guys? You know what? I don't think anyone even noticed I was gone except for one of our devoted listeners, so I appreciate you out there. <laughs> Tom has one fan. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. It's all good. You guys held it down for me. As we always do, but it's good to have the whole trio back in. It's just missing something when one of the crew is out. Absolutely, but you know what? I feel a new sense of energy coming from you guys. Did you guys eat a lot of candy during Halloween? Is this why we have this new burst of energy? Listen, player, this energy that you're feeling is fake because I my soul is empty after listening to that Cousin Chris Brown album. And that took three hours out of my life and probably 50 years all my lifespan. But we'll get to him in a little while. I did give me some good candy, you know, I, though. I, I haven't been able to do this in a while, but can I can I jump right into my, my little thing right here? I like to hit him right off the top. Go for it. It's your world, I, player. So let me ask you guys, if, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it, does it make any noise? Uh, that's the eternal question, player. I think that the whole point of a tree falling, there's still noise, even if there isn't one to hear it. But that's just my personal philosophy. Okay. Yep. Well, I'm relating that to the release of R&B albums these days, because that's how I kind of feel. Oh R&B my. albums are coming out, and not one person is around to even know they came out with the promotion that's going on, or lack thereof. I mean, That's it's, my thought of the moment. Player, as, as much as I want to combat that, it's a sad fact when we get people like Keisha Cole and, I mean, Layla Hathaway, and folks are like, when I post about them, they're like, I didn't know they had an album out. And in some cases, I didn't even know there was an album out until the day of the release. It's kind of sad. And that's though. bad. If, if we don't even know an album is coming out, then you know someone's in, not doing something right because we're supposed to be the ones in the know. Yeah, we're the ones in the loop. And I don't understand how even when we are tied into these artists all the time and these albums are sneaking up on us, something's wrong. Do you think Joe Blow R&B buyer is, gonna, is just gawking someone's page? Man, tough <laughs> times, though. Listen, guys, I don't know about you guys. It seems like you guys were just too busy eating candy. Tom with your Starburst, me with my Kit Kats, mm. and Ed with your heartbreaks on a full moons. What's going on, guys? What? <laughs> oh, something about to get broke, all right. It's a full moon out here, so. <laughs> all right, Hands let's, about let's... to be delivered, and we're three minutes into this thing. Got me Ed, all let's, let's get into it then. We're representing Virginia here. Chris Brown releases his 45-track album. Oh, have mercy. Tom, have you ever heard of a 45-track album before? I just don't know how a human in 2017 could spend enough time to sit through that with the short attention spans we've got these days. Well, that's what I'm saying. That was my whole argument. If this is 2017, where we can't get fans to to pay attention to artists' Twitter pages to see when they can drop something... You really expect someone to sit through three hours of this album? I think I am literally the only person that I know who listened to this whole album front to back. And I had to listen to it twice to review it. I am insane. So, what are your thoughts on that? I wonder how many people, Kyle, I I wonder how many people actually listened to some of it and then just gave up. (laughs) Well, you know what? I know know quite a few. You know what? Chris Brown actually posted... um, something on his instagram 
sort of as like a cheat sheet or a way to cheat the billboard system. And one of the things he'd said was, uh, you know, if you plan on listening to the album, just put it on Spotify and hit play and just let the whole thing go, you know, play. You don't even have to listen to it. Just keep it streaming so that he gets the streaming <laughs> you know. You don't even have to listen to it. Player. Now, that's a cheat sheet. <laughs> Player. He literally, and I have a link to the cheat sheet in my review. Go to soulandstereo.com. Kyle is not making this up. He has his ugly little Instagram post that has a cheat sheet that is telling you, Team Breezy, to don't even listen to the album. Just turn it on <laughs> and let it stream all day and night so he can get his streaming numbers up because he knows full well that these children are not going to sit and listen to an album that's longer than the new Thor movie that's dropping tonight. Play a stop. And oof. as part of the cheat sheet, he also told his fans to, uh, when they go to the store and they find the CD, put it in front of every other CD that they see. That's some brilliant <laughs> marketing right there. Boy, that'll That's show Taylor good. Swift when he puts that uh, that stupid cover of a bleeding heart on a gray plate that I assume is supposed to be the moon in front of her CD. Boy, <laughs> that's going to really jump them sales up. Remember back when people sold albums by making good music? Or am I just too old for that? I just had a birthday since the last podcast. Maybe I'm aging out of this thing, dog. But in my day, you just made a hot album. Well, can someone actually talk about the quality of this album? I mean, I, I personally haven't listened. I don't plan to ever listen, so if someone can fill me in, please. Well, that's what we're here for. I'll let Team Breezy Stan Kyle start this convo off before I start spitting dinner. <laughs> oh, well, I definitely appreciate that I get to go first because let me just say, Ed, Tom, I need an apology from the both of you because oh, a please. couple of weeks – hold on, a couple of weeks ago, I – let everyone in on the track list for the album. And when I said the song Juicy Booty, both of you guys laughed at me and said, there's no chance that this song is good. And Ed, Tom, that song is good. It might actually be the best song on the album. Now, first of all, you're starting out as a lie. Juicy Booty, which makes me want to vomit to even say the name. Secondly, it makes me want to vomit because 50-year-old R. Kelly is featured on it. And he does not, at this point, his booty is probably juicy. He needs the depends. Oh he does not need to worry about other little oh girls' my parts. God. Secondly, dog, Juicy Booty is only a good song because it samples a decent song. And when you look at most of the best songs on this album, the best songs are the songs that we've already heard before in some other form. He samples Donnell Jones. He samples Remember the Time. And we talked about the sample on that album, on that song. A lot of that stuff is cool because it's familiar. And besides, if you take away the catchy production that we already know and love, it's pretty hollow. But to Kyle's point, in this 45 C of mediocrity, there are some alright songs on it. I did like the title track. He had a couple songs near the end of the album that was pretty good. Grass Ain't Greener, which is probably older than most of R. Kelly's girlfriends at this point. It's only like three years old. Like, that song is one of the better tracks on the album, and that's, I guess, technically a bonus track. Who knows with this thing? But, listen, the album, if it was 14 songs and had seven or eight of the best tracks, okay, we could be talking about something. And that might be one of his better albums if he if he narrowed it down to that. But since he decided to just scrape the bottle of the barrel and dump everything out, you get no props 
for your quote-unquote work ethic. You were just bombarding the listener with mediocrity. That's why your review was so low. Wow. Well, as I listened to the album, here's a couple of notes that I took down. Um, You're right. There are a handful of songs on there that are actually really good. But there's just way too much music even for me to digest. And basically, what was kind of cool about this album is in those 45 songs, he did try to show his versatility, which Chris Brown is one of the most versatile artists of our time. He can do the pop stuff. Without question. He can do the R&B stuff, and he can do the turn-up stuff. He can do all of it. And I think bits and pieces of it, you could hear, and it worked well. Actually, you know what? I think the pop stuff worked out the best of the three genres. Um, the, the trap stuff, you know, it, it's the trap stuff, but... The trap soul stuff, which everyone seems to be hopping on, that was where it kind of got boring for me because he would have like four songs back to back to back to back, and they would all start out the same, similar production, and all of them were just talking about licking someone's private parts and drowning in their juices. <laughs> that was literally four songs oh. straight. Ed, am I lying? <laughs> he, he, the man is not lying. If he's lying, I'm dying. Because that was there was a span, I think it was at the beginning of the second disc. I, I mean, it's all running together in my brain at this point. I'm probably clinically insane. This is how Batman's villains become insane criminals, listening to this album. Because it will drive you <laughs> insane. But anyway, so he's right. There's like a span of like four or five songs. That are almost identical, and they're right back to back to back to back. I'm like, am I in Groundhog Day? Is this some loop? Am I going insane? Because there's nothing to differentiate them. Shout out to I'm blanking. Shout! Out, I'm sure they'll correct me on Twitter. One of my readers had a great observation. They were like, this dude basically made four songs over ten times. It's like four different types of songs, except there are ten versions of those same four songs, and that was the album. And that is a pretty accurate way to describe heartbreak on a full moon. I'll just say one thing, though. On on the other side, I said this about Music's album, too, Double Disc. If you're a fan of of the artist, I mean, it's pretty cool to get that many songs, I guess, from your favorite artist. I mean, especially because these days, so many songs get scrapped. We never get to hear them, even though we'd like to unrelease songs or whatever. It is kind of a cool thing to hear that Kyle would you agree absolutely um I mean Chris Brown whether you like him or not he's always been good to his fans he'll always put out free music I know probably last year or the year before he dropped a mixtape that was like 40 songs as well so if you're a Chris Brown fan this is just adding to your collection I gotta say though there's one song on there that I really like that's gonna be in all of our top one um, and that's Enemy by Chris Brown, produced by Scott Storch. That was actually an unreleased track from uh, Mario's album that was supposed to come out. Mario, we're still waiting on an album. Quit playing. But that was a really good <laughs> song. And Ed, I'm going to say this, and Tom, you as well, because we all love rap music. Chris Brown's rapping is still better than the Yo Gotti's and the Kodak Blacks of the world. Uh, it's better than Kodak Blacks. I think he's on par with Yo Gotti, to be honest. Gotti ain't that terrible. But boy, he had Guys. the bottom of the barrel rappers on this thing. A boogie with a hoodie. Stop. Guys, I don't know what any of that means. Oh, you don't and want I to. Think that, and I think that's that makes me cool. <laughs> yeah, I think we want to protect you from this. Like, you're good. <laughs> but to get back on your and Kyle's point about... It's good for fans to embrace 
an artist that puts out this amount of material because, yeah, you got more songs from your favorite. Uh, I'm playing. I'm in the other category for that because I only want the best stuff from my artists. I now y'all know I love Keith Sweat. I don't know if I want every song Keith Sweat has ever recorded or half recorded or has in some bank somewhere. Just give me the best. I don't need to have everything. And it's not. I don't know. I don't give participation prizes because you put out a whole bunch of work. I'd rather have ten hot tracks than forty mediocre ones. So. I don't care how much you drop, it better be quality. And your boy barely gave us 10 listenable songs here. That ain't a good average. Well, two points here, Ed. Tom, as long as the fans are happy, who else can really be complaining? And secondly, I'm just going to narrow this album from 45 to 10 myself and call it a classic. How about that? <laughs> oh my god, this is the problem with America. Oh my gosh. I've heard a lot of people calling it a classic. Shout out to, um, I am not remembering anybody's name today, but someone left a comment on my review. Oh, Jules, shout out to Jules. Left a really insightful comment about how he or she did not understand how so many people were calling this album a classic. I can tell you why. Because they just cherry picked their favorite songs and made a playlist and was like, oh, this is great. That's not an album, homie. That's a playlist that doesn't count. You know, are you surprised, and this is a tangent, but are you surprised artists haven't ever come to us for insight on to get our take on an album before they put it out? Wouldn't I, that be valuable? It would, but I'm not surprised why it hasn't, because it's much, much easier to... I mean, look at look at my fellow reviewers. Not that I'm ever one to diss anybody, ha-ha. But if you look at the reviews for albums that come out, what are the reviews that the artist mostly shares? They're the reviews that's yes and has no substance, but it just gasses up their project and makes it sound like the greatest thing ever without any kind of insight. So a lot of, I'm not going to say all artists because some artists aren't like it. Shout out to Big Boy, who I gave his album just kind of three and a half stars, and he still showed me love and promoted it because he's a real artist. There are some artists that only want the cheering section, and the yes men to gas up their stuff. They're not going to come to experts and ask me you and, T- and Kyle if this is hot or not because they know they might get the honest truth. And sometimes the honest truth hurts. It's easier when everyone says this is the best thing I've ever heard. It's a classic. It's better than songs in the key of life. <laughs> wow. But no, you're right. We're going to cover this whole thing in another podcast. Yes. No, but the, the last we gotta point go deeper. I, well, the last point I want to make on that I was actually reading uh, Charlemagne the God's book uh, not too long ago, and he kind of said the same thing where, number one, artists are very sensitive to these things, and number two, as a journalist, such as we are music experts, you're either going to be the voice of the people or you're going to you know, hide behind the industry folks because you want to be invited to those music events. You want to be invited to, to all of these record label parties, and um, I'm willing to bet if an artist was to ask us for our opinion on the project before it came out. I think the output would be a little different, too. <laughs> I agree. Well, Shout out we to, also would have been trashing everything they sent us, pretty well, much. I mean, if you want an honest assessment, there you go. Shout out to my man, Harold, who a couple of weeks ago sh- shared an article with me. I think it was a Washington Post article about why the there are so many less high-profile music reviewers these days. And most artists are going to bloggers for the very reasons that we talked about. Because a lot of publications don't want 
their reviewers to talk badly about an artist because you don't want them to. And the article was talking about how it started with Kanye and some other folks, how they don't want to get their publication blackballed by being too honest. So it's easier to go to blogs and other people who gas them up and just turn this hype session. So the art of actually writing and recording album reviews is getting lost because it's easier in this era of fake news to just get somebody to hype you up for no reason. So unfortunately, people don't like honesty anymore, y'all. Yeah. Hey Tom, I got a question to ask you. Did you at ever at at some point during this Chris Brown release think why is he re- releasing the album on a Tuesday as opposed to a Friday? Uh, I did not. To be honest, I really didn't think about this release much at all. To uh, be well, fully honest. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, the reason why I bring that up is because. <laughs> Chris Brown was ranting on Instagram the other day about how because he released his album on a Tuesday as opposed to the Friday, the sales that are kept track by Billboard only count uh, the sales for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday because Friday is a brand new week for album sales. So for his first week sales, they're only going to be counting three days worth of sales. So his numbers are a little skewed, but our good friend Tank commented on Chris Brown's Instagram and said, dropping it on a Tuesday was genius because of the moment because of the moment, but it did shorten your week. That's cool though. That just means you'll be number one two weeks in a row. Many blessings to you, little bro. (laughs) Well, I think Chris just wanted to release the album on Halloween, so Exactly. I don't think he did this in, in, in a moment of genius unfortunately. But we love you, Chris. Um, there's no, please, one of us does, I won't be sharing my potato salad at the family reunion. And I saw Cousin Chris fussing about that too, and I had the same reaction you did. Player, do your homework. You can't cheat and change the rules because you released it on a Tuesday. Drop it on a Friday and you get a full week like everybody else. And stop cheating the system. And then post an Instagram cheat sheet. This player just straight cheating. Do you? Wait, wait a second though. Speaking, speaking of Halloween... Uh, real quick, didn't didn't Michael Jackson come out with a with a, ho- a Halloween themed album or something? Yep. Oh yes, you missed our discussion on that podcast, player. You weren't around. Well, where is that? that? What even? What that just came and went like it just. I don't know what that was. No, it wasn't a full album. It was just a re-release of the scary songs, like Thriller and what? and stuff. Ooh, scary scream is on it. it. Oh, it was ridiculous. It was weird, though, because there was actually ads for it in New York City, like on the subways and stuff. Like, they were promoting it. So I don't even know what they expected to come of that. I don't either. I think they wanted to trick people like me into thinking that it was new material. Because I hopped on it and almost planned to review it. And I looked at the track list, and I'm like, I've heard every one of these songs before. So I don't know what the plan was. Again, we're still trying to squeeze every bit of juice out of that juicy booty corpse of poor Mike. (laughs) It's getting dry, my friends. But anyways, uh, Heartbreak on a Full Moon is in stores now if you want to check it out. But we're going to go and talk about another album. This is one that I think probably fits you guys a little more. was one that you guys were actually looking forward to. And that was the Mm -hmm. release of 112's new album. Yes. Ed? Yes. (sighs) Tom and I, and you too, Kyle, we've talked extensively about this off-air and I don't know, and I know you two will have your opinions. I thought for what it was, it was okay. 
It was not the 112 of 1996, but it ain't 1996. And we have to remember this stage in their career. They're honest. As much as I love them, they're probably not going to be as pristine as they were then. But as far as a project, it was a better than hot and wet. Thank the Lord. But but B, it actually had an ability for them to capture their kind of vintage sound and kind of transition a little bit into a more current sound. And I thought it worked on that level. The album's missing a big song. Like I really wanted like a big ballad or a big hit single or something to really set it apart and give it a signature track. And that not having that really hurt it. The kind of song that they had with J.E. It seemed like that was going to be their big song. And it sort of missed. It's fine, but it just sort of missed. So I thought it was a fine comeback as far as just a solid piece of work. But when we look at their legendary discography, it ain't touching nothing. Those first three albums is nowhere near that. But I thought it was respectable for 2017. I know Tom disagrees. I'm not going to be too critical. I mean, 112, we're happy to have them back. It's been 12 years. You know, um, we always support them. I was just hoping for something that was so undeniable, you know, as a comeback album that forced you to pay attention. Unfortunately, I didn't get that personally. I really, thinking back, I wish they would have executed a bit differently and went, carried the momentum from that reunion tour, went with a more old-school 90s sound and maybe collaborate with all those artists they were on tour with, like to bring that, n- capitalize on that nostalgia. I mean, you had all these people going to see you on tour for your old hits. Why not capitalize on that sound and that with those artists? I mean, but we didn't quite get that. What we got wasn't horrible or by any means. Like I said, it's good to have them back, but just not what I personally would have wanted here. But I'll still, I'll still rock with it though. It's interesting. When I listened to this album, well, number, when Dangerous Games came out, I didn't have a lot of hope for the album. Not because the song is bad, but if they're starting out with that song, and to me, that would be a good album song, but that's not a single. So when they put that mm-hmm. out as a single, I'm like, I don't know what else is going to be on this album that's going to be good. And what we got, I think, was an album where... You got to give it to them. You could tell that they actually tried on this album, which speaks more than what we heard from that last Jagged Edge album. So much props to 112 for actually trying. And with the direction of the album, I kind of see what they were trying to do. They were trying to fuse what was modern with the trap drums, and they tried to put it together with their 112 song. And I think they were able to execute that on a handful of songs. Simple, Simple and Plain was one of them where... In the beginning, it sounded like a James Bond song, and then by the end of it, it was just them going off singing like crazy. And they did have a couple of strong ballads that reminded me of classic 112. Wanna Be, that's a great song, in my opinion. The biggest problem that I had with the song was just, it just never stuck with me. Like, there are songs mm-hmm. that I might like, but there's nothing that I'll go back and listen to in the same way that I listened to cupid or smile or all of those great ballads um wannabe came close i'm not gonna lie it came close but to me this is an album that is a welcomed addition to their discography but it's not gonna shake up the landscape of their career by any stretch but at this point i don't think it needs to they just need to do this they need to go on tour like i mentioned last week they're gonna be going on tour with jagged edge starting next year they're doing a full-on tour so I think they came in and did what they had to do. 
I mean, I agree yeah, with that. And when you mention yeah, Jagged Edge, it makes me think of the J.E. Heartbreak 2 album, which I was telling someone on the Twitters the other day that I loved. And when you think of a comeback album, I think that style album would have been perfect for 112 because that J.E. 2 album sounded just like a J.E. album, but it was updated and fresh and new, but it still sounded like them. And I think 112 was in that direction, but it just didn't, as you said, had the staying quality to get over that hump and made it something that would really be at the forefront of their discography. So, like you said, good effort, but am I going to be listening to it in six months? I don't know. Well, I just want to comment on one thing you said, Kyle, about their direction with the more modern sounds and trying to go for some of the trap vibe. My question is, this is just touching on like the lack of direction I feel like some of these artists have and the disconnect that exists. Because I don't know if you guys go to shows by these artists, but man, I've been to all their shows. It's There's old people in the audience, 40 and up. And old people aren't going for trap sounds. I mean, that's not what they want to hear. That's not what they grew up on. I mean, they're not young. They're not going for that younger stuff. So why do artists whose fan base are of that age going for those younger sounds what do they expect to get out of that that's my question for you guys the issue is and it unfortunately it's a effect of i'm lumping r&b in this case in with hip-hop because it's kind of a symptom of hip-hop as well it's a young genre and it's always a young man young woman's genre so when we look at r&b it's you can't really compare it to like rock because you the eagles can drop an album and have every song sounding like it was from the freaking 60s. And that audience will eat it up. And they'll have no current stuff. And it's good. But when you come with R&B and hip-hop as well. You want to cater to your original audience. Because that audience is aging. And that audience got money. But when we still have that mindset of getting on radio. And still have that mindset of getting on Billboard 100. And blah, blah, blah. You have to cater to the younger audience. Because that is what is driving that. So that's why they sprinkle. Sometimes they go too far like Usher did. And sometimes we'll have like, we saw with his 112 album, well, they'll try to sprinkle in some of the stuff and try to walk the line. And sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it does work a little bit like Lettucey. Um, even Layla Hathaway, we'll get on her later. She has some stuff that kind of bends that way. But the problem is these artists are serving two masters. They are trying to cater to those of us who about to hit 40 like me that remembers what they were in 96, but they're still trying to get on radio and trying to get spins and trying to get sales. So they got to try to cater to those 40 and ups kids too. It's two different audiences. And that's where disconnects happens. I see from a business standpoint, why it happens, but from creative standpoint, it just don't be working. I disagree with you guys actually. Because as I was scrolling right. through my Instagram the other day, there's a, there's one song on the 112 album that samples Cupid. What is it? What is it called? Without you. Mm-hmm. I saw I saw one of our readers. She recorded a video of herself turning up to that song. So that, <laughs> so that lets me know that the older generation is adapting to this turn up sound. How old though? How how old was was the person? Ed, how old are you? What? That was, I was not turning up to 112 on Instagram. Well, it was someone probably around Ed's age, I think. So, on, on well, if the, well, you see, if the person was a 112 fan, 
I feel like they're just going to get into whatever they give them we'll and see, they're just yes. going like, to force themselves to like it. So I don't know who, who this person was. Um, I, I, don't I mean, know. you could be right, Kyle. I mean, there's different there's different ways to look at everything. I mean, I'm not saying I'm 100% that lo- right. That location song by Khalid is number one on Urban AC right now. It's been like that for two weeks. So, right. And who, who is he bat? Who is it battling against? Uh, I don't know, but <laughs> there's no competition. I don't yes, know. Yes, but... I mean, I see what you're saying, Gal, and there is some merit to that. But I still think that, and there's also a stigma that comes with it. If an artist like One Twelve drops, and I'm using, I don't have kids, so I'm using the kids that I work with in the community and my youth group as an example. If an artist like One Twelve drops. Nine times out of ten, they aren't going to listen to them because they're going to be like, that's the, oh, like, my mom listens to that. Yeah. I remember when Common's album dropped and somebody was like, oh, yeah, my mom loves Common. She listened to it. I don't even bother. I'm like, so you don't even bother listening to it? No, because that's what my mom listened to. I don't listen to that. Give me that future or whatever garbage they're listening to. So a lot of these artists are battling the stigma of being old heads and... Again, they're trying to get into the younger market. And, I mean, old heads turn up in the club, too. I was at a show last week, and they were turning up there. But that's a different type of turn up. Grown folks turn up ain't the same as a young guy that boogie with a hoodie turn up. I feel like you could... You, you, you made a good... Well, actually, you, you made a good point, Kyle, though. What's let's save that for another... Let's save this for another podcast about Urban AC. But that was a good point. But I, I think it's evolving. But we'll talk about that. Another time. Man, all I'm saying is if we go to a club tomorrow night, 20, 30, and under, you'll probably see Tank there. I'm, all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm sure you will. All the free chicken wings you can eat, he'll be there. Anywho, um, I got one more question for you guys before we move on to Blue-Eyed Soul and all the good things that come with that. But, Ed, we need a little bit of history and revisiting here. When Usher okay. dropped Yeah, when Sierra dropped Goodies, when Chris Brown dropped Run It, were the traditional R&B fans pissed? Yup. And I can tell you from experience they were. Now, the difference is, now you got to remember, this is 2004, 2003, 2005. So we didn't have the blood of social media and all, all these quote-unquote experts whining and crying. But yeah, there was some backlash because it's like, this is an R&B, this is crump. The arguments that we're hearing now about this is an R&B and so-and-so is an R&B and so-and-so is pop, they were saying that about Whitney Houston in the 80s player. Like, this stuff is not new. So, yeah, they were mad, and honestly, I wasn't a, I did like Run It, but I was not a fan of either one of those other songs because, to me, it really was hip-hop. It wasn't R&B, per se. But there's a generation that, to them... That's R&B because that's the R&B they grew up on. So it's weird to see just kind of how generations define R&B. Because I remember a time when people were trying to say that New Jack Swing wasn't really R&B. And Lord, that would put my man DJ Soul Child in his grave if he heard that. So (laughs) it just depends on the generation. Well, thank God for people like Sam Smith, the king of blue-eyed soul, right? Oh, my Lord. Just dropped his new album today. We'll talk about it another time. But on our Instagram page, I suggest everyone to go. And our Facebook as well. I posted a picture, and we're trying to figure out who is really the king of blue-eyed soul. Is it Sam Smith? Is it Robin Thicke? Is it Justin Timberlake? Is it John B.? 
or is it Tom from You Know I Got Soul? <laughs> Who is the king of blue-eyed soul? And I'm, oh, man. I'm counting up the numbers right now, and it looks like John B. is the definite winner of this. Tom, are you a little mad that you didn't get a single vote? Come on, guys. You know I can't sing. When yeah. has that stopped half of R&B today, these days? <laughs> Rihanna out here Give selling me the makeup. guys. Oh, jeez. Send me the auto-tune. Uh, and then, you uh, know what's interesting about Sam Smith, though? I got the press release. For, um, they emailed us a press release for his album. They don't even call him a soul artist. They just call him a pop artist. Yeah, they aren't going to call him a soul artist. Soul is a dirty word in 2017. Yep. But I just wonder, and this is another podcast and another whole can of worms, but if he was black, would they force him into that R&B lane and force that R&B title on him? Oh, I feel play like they Play uh, bring this up next week because I got words, I got bars, I got <laughs> flows, I got some stuff to say about this because you know goodness well if that man had a little bit of melanin in his tent, <laughs> we'd be labeling him all kinds of R&B. But the thing is, I also think if he was, there would be a lot of fans running to his defense and screaming bloody murder to get him on radio like we do K. Michelle and some of these other people. But y'all don't want that much wokeness on this podcast, so I'm a chill. <laughs> Sip my water. <laughs> Jeez. Now, uh, write this down, Kyle. Next podcast title: What if Sam Smith was black? Oh Lord, yes. Oh jeez. <laughs> You're gonna make us turn into Tyrese. <laughs> oh no. Oh, you don't want me to talk about that brother today. I'm trying not to get. Just send all the hate tweets. This is the part of the show we say. E.T. Bowser on Twitter. Leave these two guys out of it. <laughs> now, guys, I want to introduce a new feature to you guys just to get the party started a little bit. Something new. You know how the Breakfast Club has their donkey of the day. I want us to have a feature called the play please So give us the play please <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. Okay, we doing this. So I don't know how many people have been abrupt on Tyrese's Gibson's latest foolishness i think the last time you and i spoke tom i mean kyle we talked about how he had beef with the rock because of some ridiculous beef from i don't know he didn't want the rock to be on fast and the furious or something i don't know i don't watch those movies they look whack but now the issue with poor tyrese is he's being accused of child abuse apparently his daughter he like spanked her or something. I don't want to get too far into that because number one, I am I am not a parent and I don't feel like I can speak on whether you should be spanking your child or whatever. I got spanked, whatever. But that's as far as I'll go with that. But I will go as far as to say, your man Tyrese has been running his mouth on these Instagrams, whether it be about his child, whether it be about The Rock, whether it be about how he brought back R&B with his album that was pretty good, but not the... The six-star classic that he's screaming it was. Look, player, take your shiny suits and your shiny head. Reevaluate your career. Get with G and Tank. Maybe y'all can come out with TGT Part 2 that you've been talking about for 20 years. And look at yourself and calm down. We only here for the music. We're not here for your rants. We're not here for your beefs. We're not here for the family drama. Player, put out an album that's as good as Black Rose if you say you can do it. And then you can get R&B back in on your side. If you're going to try to save R&B, we're going to need some actual music. And I know Twitter beasts. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I was talking to Tom about this, and I was like, you know what? This might be all a great marketing plan for Tyreek when I mean for Tyrese when he releases his rap album and it hits number one, and he can be like, I'm back on top after all of that. I'm back on top. Sounds like something Tyrese. He's would back do. on top after getting embarrassed by a rock on Instagram and crying about his daughter on Instagram. I just... remember. I'm gonna go back to my bro, my boy, cousin Chris. Remember when albums got sold because people put out good music? Can anybody remember the day? Ed, this is gonna work, man. Kyle, Kyle broke it down for me. He's gonna explain that he's been through hell and back. He survived hardships. He had his daughter taken right from his arms. He was kicked out of the movie series he had been a part of. He's going to act like he was stripped down in the streets with no clothes left and, oh and, and made the greatest comeback of all time. Oh, I can't oh. wait till he comes back with the black tie album and I can give it two stars and he can talk about how his career is rebuilt. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I mean, y'all, y'all just... Ugh. My soul can't take. My soul was already broken from Cousin Chris, and now it's just shattered. Ah. <laughs> well, before we uh, get into some other things, I want to quickly talk about Keisha Cole, one of our favorite artists on this podcast. And now that we, we're all reunited and we've all had some time to listen to the album and, and get our heads cleared, Tom, I got to ask you, what did you say to Keisha Cole that led to her blocking <laughs> us? Honestly. No, th- this is crazy. We were just on Twitter saying, which is the best Keisha Cole album? And from that, she somehow blocked us, literally. Wow. I, 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 I don't even understand. And then, <laughs> most recently, because the main account for You Know I Got so at YKIGS Follow Us, that got blocked about five years ago. But my account, Kyle underscore YKIGS, that was still active. And I don't really post on that as often as I used to, but it's still active, so I was like, let me go search up Keisha Cole on this. On a side note, though, do you know who has me blocked on that account? None other than Pleasure P, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> um, but Keisha Cole did not block me on that account, and one day, as I was going through my Twitter, I noticed, and this is when the album came out, I noticed that she was responding to all her followers that were sending her tweets, such as Ed Bowser, who sent her a tweet. So I was like, you know what? It's time to step up for my boy, get us unblocked, and let her know that we're number one supporters of Keisha Cole and her career. So, And I quote, all I said was, Keisha Cole, we're loving the album, but can you please unblock us? We're, we love you. Two seconds later, I got blocked as well. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot, you left out the key point of that tweet. It had like eight exclamation points at the end. And I think that was one too many for her, and she was, like, blocked. Yeah, Yeah, and my favorite part was you took a survey afterwards asking our readers if they've ever been blocked by someone, and a whole bunch of people said Keisha Cole, and some weren't even sure why either. (laughs) Well, see, let me take this hilarious story even further, because Kyle mentioned that, like, Keisha and I had been communicating. So at some point during the day... I think shout out uh, my man Mike Verse because I think I was talking to him about the album. It was somebody on Twitter. Pretty sure it was him. And he said something like, oh, what did you think about the album, Ed, whatever. And I had just posted my review of her album, which I gave a very positive review. And I said something to the effect of, 
I like this album way more than I thought I would. So Keisha replied with the angry red face emoji. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The evil frowny emoji. She replied to that. And of course that got all the Keisha Cole stands riled up. Because they were like, oh, you pissed off Keisha. So I replied to Keisha and was like, did you read my review, boo? I liked your album. And then like 15 minutes later she replied and was like, oh, I'll just give you a hard time. Ha ha. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then she hit me back and was like, thanks for the great review. And then shared the review. Keisha be on one hmm. on these Twitters, player. Well, I'm just going to put it out there now, Ed. For your Thanksgiving dinner, you're either inviting us or you're inviting Keisha. We're not going to be at the same table as Keisha. I'm pulling a Tyrese here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, okay, I will invite Keisha over. You, Tom, Cousin Chris can all sit on the porch. You'll sit at the kids' table. You know, the little card table oh. in the in the corner <laughs> with the juice boxes. Wow. We'll sit you over there. Y'all have plenty to talk about. He has 45 tracks. So he'll talk all day long. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, some uh, new albums that are coming out. I just want to touch on these pretty quickly. As I mentioned, Layla Hathaway's album came out of nowhere today. Ed, I know you really like it, so... We'll talk about that next week when we all get a chance to digest on it. Um, Selena Johnson is going to be re- releasing her cover album. Tom, when's that coming out? Next week on the 10th. Wow. And now I'm having flashbacks to the first question you posed on the uh, podcast about the tree falling and no <laughs> one being on. there. Wow. Come on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Shout out my girl, Selena. I did know that was dropping. Um. <laughs> Another album that's coming out on December 1st is Miguel, the former R&B savior. Um, He's coming out with (laughs) his fourth album, and he said this will be his most politically charged album. What the hell does that mean? Oh, boy. You know what that means. It's going to be a whole bunch of Trump diss tracks. (laughs) I mean, is that more of just feeding into into the headlines, or is this legitimate? Well, I'm not. I'm never mad at that because as I've talked about many, many times, um, a lot of R&B has been politically charged over the years, and it's been good. I just wanted to, if you're going to do it, because we've had so much of this this year, please put a different spin on it and don't just because it seems like every album I review has had at least one Black Lives Matter song on it, and that's fine. But the message is starting to get old and diluted. So if you're going to do some play, make sure it stands out and put a be creative with it is what I'm saying. Don't just talk about how Trump sucks and Black Lives Matter and Colin Kaepernick. Yay. Give me something different because your boy getting bored. Yep. Well, whatever it is, I, I, I know it's going to be musical. I know it's going to be eclectic and diverse. We can always count on Miguel for that. Definitely. I Of all albums, coincidentally, I was stuck in gridlock morning um, commute today. And I listened to the entire Kaleidoscope Dream album on the way to work. I forgot how great that album is. That album's fantastic. Yeah, that is that's probably one of the best albums of the two thousand and tens, I would say. Definitely. Wasn't there only one song on that album, Adorn? No, please. Only one you paid attention to. Plenty of hits on that thing. I'm just kidding. Alright. Well, one last topic before we get into the Hall of Fame here. We have a new friend. His name is Sean Stroman. He's one of our YouTube commenters, YouTube listeners. 
and he wanted to ask us what we thought of the young millennial generation or Generation Z era of R&B artists. So I want to put a different spin on this because we all have our own opinions, and I won't share mine because that would just take too much time. So you guys can do it between the two of you. Uh, I'm going to name an artist, and you just give me a quick your, your quick opinion on it. Are you guys ready? Tom, I know you're going to love this feature. I, I can't wait. Oh, my gosh. Please behave, um, Tom. Do, do any of these artists sound like Charlie Wilson? <laughs> well, I'm going to... Actually, you know what? Some do. Some do. <laughs> Some do? Okay. Some do. Calm down. All right. So the first artist is SZA, who's sizzling on the urban charts right now. <laughs> sizzling. Who <laughs> uh, bought this guy a book of puns for Christmas? Jeez. Anyway, um, I'm a fan of SZA. I like the album. Um, it's actually one of those albums that really grew on me. Usually when I didn't review SZA, but most of the time when I hear an album that once I have like opinion of it for the first few listens, I'm kind of good. I'm kind of like, that's my opinion. But this is one of those albums that the more I listen to it, the more I like. And it really grew on me. So props to her. I'm a fan. Wow, I, I don't think I've ever listened to SZA. Honestly, didn't I? I did photo- uh, photograph her at the Essence Festival one year, though. Yep. For some reason. Well, there you go. But uh, I actually have been observing that she's been blowing up and she's everywhere right now, and which is cool. But I just wonder if that's because of her affiliation with um, what's his name, or if that's legitimate. Oh my God! Well, what's his name? Kendrick what's his Lamar. Name? Oh, what's that guy? That that, that guy that uh, makes music. Oh. And then, and I'm supposed to be the old man of the crew. Yes, Kendrick Lamar, dog. But I think at this point, she's kind of like breaking out on her own. So I don't feel like so much that she's a hanger on as someone who is kind of used at the springboard. So, well, she has a she has a song with Maroon Five, and I don't know if that's you know based on her own merit or if that's connection based. I feel like that was a, a almost like a favor. I'm that's, not sure though. That probably was connection-based. I mean, it's hard to tell, but that may have been connection-based. All right, all right, all right. So the next artist we have... Guys, there's actually a lot of artists, so you guys need to hurry up here. Uh, The second artist we have... The second artist we have is, quote-unquote, one of four artists under the age of 30 that actually have soul, and that's her, a.k.a. Gabby Wilson. But according to Tom, in her current form, she doesn't have soul, so... Confirmed. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. She has souls. She's just doing the atmospheric weird stuff. Most people listening to this podcast know that I'm cool with her. Ed summed it up. Move on. Um, an artist by the name of Ari Lennox. Uh, I don't know enough about Lennox. Like, not to form an opinion. So I'm, that's, eh, I'm coming on the fence there. I don't want to make a strong opinion unless I'm super familiar with the catalog. What I heard from her was fine. We posted her on the site before. Is she the one who signed the J. Cole? Yes, I believe it is. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Like you say, she's fine, but I just don't want to... Oh, she's hot! What I heard was hot. I don't know enough to comment. All right. Next, we have Sabrina Claudio, who I actually did get a chance to listen to. She kind of reminds me of a early Tanache. Mm-hmm. But that, but that's all I know. I don't even know about that one. 
Yeah, and that's a kind of a good description of her. Uh, she's another one that's, you know, fine. But some of these, I feel like it's a little too early for me to just totally dismiss. There's definitely potential there. Uh, early Tanache, I would say, not current Tanache. All right, next we have Nail, or as some people call her now, DJ Soulchild. I see you posting about her every other week, so he loves her. <laughs> And oh, I man. love her too. Straight up, um, one of those English soul artists. I think that she's one of those falls into the alt R and B category for me, where it's not quite traditional R and B, but it's a mix of funk and some other things. I really like her. I really liked her last album, and I think she got potential. I'm a fan. The only thing I know about Nao is that Kyle went to her show and took pictures. That's wow. all you know that Kyle <laughs> took pictures of. And I called it Nao. Is that correct? I honestly, I was talking to I a friend of mine is. like this. We need it is. <laughs> we I need one hundred six in part back because I don't know how to say half these new rappers and some of these people. Like I don't ever hear their names spoken, so I don't know how to. Pre- I've been saying Nao, but I don't know if it's Neo or what. Actually, you're I, you're right. Wait, you're she right. signed. The, wait, she signed the RCA. Yep. Yeah, I did not know that. All right, Ed. It's funny you mentioned that because last week I pronounced Rumlar the artist, but it's actually R Lamar apparently. <laughs> oh, that's Rumlar's. how you say it. That actually makes sense when you the way it's spelled. Don't worry, I've had real life conversations with people that ask me if I've heard the song "The Weekend" by S Z A. So, <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> I'm not that far off. Uh, the next no, artist on the list is actually one that Tom met way before anyone really knew of her, and that's Kalani. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, I didn't even know about her. Our friend Zeppelin told us about her, and uh, it honestly, not really my thing where she's at now. She's mm, talented, though. She's. See, y'all going send your hate tweets to E.T. Bowser. You know the score. I'm not on the Kalani train. Like, she's fine. She's a solid artist. But to me, if this was a different era, she would kind of be like third string R&B artist. Like, she'd be kind of down there. I don't want to name names so you can get your feelings. But, like, she would be well below the Tony Braxton's and even, like, well below. She'd be, I love you, girl, but she'd be Gina Thompson level. Be like someone that mm. has damn. I, I, I listen. I love Gina Thompson. I like. I loved her one song. That is, but she's an artist that is talented. But I feel like she's at a higher plateau because the playing field is so short. Because there's nothing that she's dropped that I love. Everything has just been okay to mediocre. I listened to her album earlier this year that everybody was going nuts about. And I was like, it's all right, I guess. She hasn't blown me away despite all her hype. So, eh, to Kalani. Not gonna lie, when before you said Gina Thompson, I thought you were gonna say Ashanti, and I was gonna I was gonna end this podcast. So, oh please, please. thank goodness. Anyway, Kalani sing better than Ashanti. I wouldn't put her that evil on her. But anyway, Ed, you need a timeout. Anyways, the next <laughs> artist, this is one that I actually like, and that's LMA, who signed to DJ Mustard. I like her. Yes. Oh. 
They just sent her. They just sent us one of her new songs. So I just deleted it. Should we uh, review it? Yeah, I think you need to uh, get that one back from the trash and put it back in your inbox. Okay. Oh my, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> Please um, dig her out of the recycle bin. Again, she's another one that I don't know, haven't heard enough of to form an opinion on. What I heard was well, fine. All right, we got just a couple more here. Um, and some I'm going to skip just because I know both of you guys don't know their music. But um, Anderson okay. Pack, is he R&B? No. No, I would not quickly say no as quick as this guy. I think that he is, I look at him as kind of a male Missy Elliott, where he jumps the line between R&B and hip-hop. I'm a huge fan. I like him, but I don't know if I would categorize him as solely R&B. He makes some R&B songs sometimes, but he's just kind of in the middle, which is fine. Would you you consider him a good singer? No, I wouldn't call it, consider him a vocalist, but he makes All decent right. songs. All right. All right. So, as we mentioned, Gabby Wilson is one of the four people left under 30 that have soul. This is another one. It's Gallant. He has soul, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. Huge Gallant fan over here, player. I can't talk highly enough about that, bro. All right. And all unsurprisingly, right. And, and not surprisingly, he hasn't really taken off at all. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And I'm saying that because he makes genuine music, and people don't seem to want to hear that anymore. Yes. And it's frustrating. I remember when I dropped my list of 10 best vocalists, R&B male vocalists, and he was pretty high on the list. He was like maybe number two or three. And everyone was like, who is this? He can't, I've never heard of him, so he must suck. <laughs> well, if you haven't heard about him, that says more about you than him, Blair. Step your game up. Yep. Um, the next three artists, I don't think they really fit into the demographic of what we're trying to talk about, but, um, Sean mentioned these artists as well, and I know we like all three of them, or at least we, we respect what they do. BJ, the Chicago Kid, mm-hmm. and Andre Day, and mm-hmm. Leon Bridges. We don't Leon talk Bridges. about them, but, I mean, I respect all three. BJ is another artist that's frustrating because I really, really like him, but he has not put out a project that I really, really love. But I think all three have potential to take things further. You know who's missing from this list, I'll say? King. I feel like they are someone who deserve recognition. What do you think, Ed? Oh, player, don't get me started on King. There have been few albums in the however long I've been doing this game that I've almost given five stars to, and I almost gave their debut five stars. That's how much I think of them. So, yes, definitely. All right. We got three more, and then we'll call it a day. We have a new artist by the name of, and again, no TRO, no 106 in Park. I can't pronounce people's names. Brent Fias? Is that his name? Oh, (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how to say his name either, but yes, I know him well. Just checked out his new project a few weeks ago. I posted a song on our Facebook page. It kind of reminds me of like a late 90s Usher song or like a Craig David song. What's the rest of the album like? Pretty much like that. My issue with him, and and I was talking to Tom about this, and I was like, Tom, you hate this guy because... His arrangements are late 90s, but his vocals ain't late 90s. His, he's, got, he's very raspy. Some of the vocals are kind of suspect, just to be honest. So he's not <laughs> a traditional singer in that sense. But his stuff is kind of alluring, and it's kind of catchy, and you kind of get caught up 
in his vibe, even if the vocals aren't pristine. So his new album, I liked. I liked a lot, but I don't know. He definitely would be an acquired taste. Traditional R&B I mean, I fans just, ain't going to rock with him. I just have no patience for, for weak vocals. It's like, it's like yeah, we, we get that 90s feel. But what if you went to Burger King and they served you the same bun from the 90s, but the meat was like watered down, like half meat, half like, uh, I don't know, some animal parts ground up? Would it be the same to you? I can't get with that. No, and I feel what you're saying. But for some audiences, like I've got a coworker that loves them. And like I said, he put this arm onto him and I was like, you know, it's, it's all right. I could. It's one that I'll probably definitely give a few more spins before I do my album of the year list, but. It's not bad. It's worth a listen. If if those of you have haven't heard it, I definitely would suggest that you out there and check it out. But it ain't gonna be for everybody. All right, we got three more here. Uh, this one I don't think we really need to talk about too much because I know you both despise him, and that's Khalid. Next, I don't despise him. I I, I don't despise him. Person, I mean, I've only heard like two songs. I don't despise him. I just. Not yeah, my this thing. might be a strong word, buddy. Whack. Oh. Next. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, we don't have 106 in Park anymore, so my apologies. But <laughs> Kalela is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Kalila. Kalila. Kalila? Is... I thought it was Kalila. Oh, sorry. Um, I, I mentioned this. This I mentioned this person to you, Kyle. I thought like a month ago, and I was like, "You ever heard of this person?" I was like, "No idea." And you said, "No." <laughs> You said no idea, so I just deleted the email. <laughs> oh, God. No, Kalia's pretty good. Her album is actually pretty solid. And I've listened to hers. She's another one I listened to around the same time as Brent. And I was just catching up on some stuff. I liked her album a lot. And I think that, I think Kyle especially might kind of dig some of the stuff that she has up there. So another one well, worth checking out. Well, Ed, is it R&B? Is it R. Kelly and Brandy? Is it Rhythm and Blues? Player. It's not R. Kelly and Brandy. Most of the artists that we are naming on this list are in that kind of category of, I think they called it, I think they were calling it kind of Generation Z R&B, although they may be more millennial than Generation Z, depending on the ages. But their lane is kind of alt R&B. Like it's R&B, but it's not going to be mid-90s R&B. It's not even early 2000s R&B. It's R&B that's heavily influenced by electronic stuff. So it's still, it might not be soulful per se, and it's certainly not trap soul, thank God, but it's able to build upon the elements and do something in a different direction, and that's what I feel like hers is. But again, it's pretty solid. Of all the people we mentioned, her and probably Nail are probably the two best albums that we've talked about. And we're going to finish off this feature with the guy who went on the Rolling Stones magazine and claimed that he was about to save R&B. He was going to bring real singing back to the forefront and create a new lane for all soulful singers. I am talking about my boy Ty Dolla Sign, who once upon a time, I believe on this podcast, one Barry Bars did say that that guy was a true <laughs> vocalist. <laughs> no. Did that really happen? That did happen. I'm going to have to dig that podcast out, man. And you've got, while you're digging, go ahead and dig a grave for this guy. I'm about to throw him in it. My God. <laughs> I do not understand the allure of Ty Dollar Sign. Like, some people, I can understand how they fooling y'all. I can understand how they throwing the, the wool over your eyes. 
But the dude can't sing. The dude like doesn't even try to sing. He just mumbles all over the hook. Sometimes he can. Yeah, I will say he has an ear for beats. I'll give him that. But he's not doing. I could do a Ty Dolla Sign song easily. I haven't heard his new album, so I don't know if this is the album where he's finally like turning into Luther Vandross or something. But I have not heard anything, anything closely resembling to halfway decent vocals from this dude. But Ed, have you heard this song he's got with Babyface? Man, um, I was. It's called Solid. It was released a few years ago. I don't know if that's ever graced my ears. Man, I was disappointed to see this man. It's like you have this guy who's barely singing, and the video, and Babyface is just strumming away on his guitar like nothing's wrong at all. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> he is that just strumming not- away, thinking about the check he's no, going to get. That's the whole video. It says featuring Babyface, but the only thing Babyface is doing in the video in the song is strumming on his guitar. So he doesn't even sing? He just plays a guitar? But my point is, he's just co-signing like nothing's wrong with this picture. His check must have been pretty good. Well, he didn't put his vocals on it, so he ain't co-signing it too hard. He's like, I'll play this guitar, but I ain't gonna let y'all know I'm here. Oh, jeez. Let's leave Ty Dolla Sign alone while he tries to save R&B, guys. Never. That. There's another name missing. Wait, someone who reads our site actually put Ty Dollar Sign in a list that we should check out? No, I, I added that myself because I remember the article. Oh, that oh. oh my God. I don't want to throw my boy Sean <laughs> under the bus. That was that was all me. I'm sorry. Well, we about to throw you off the podcast and throw Sean up here. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, to make one last comment about this new generation... AC, another reader of ours, said uh, R&B is definitely coming back to the mainstream with artists like SZA, Bryson Tiller, and Khalid. They're all doing well. So, there you go. Well, one out of three ain't bad, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, boy. Let's go into the Hall of Fame. And, I mean, Tom, you've been gone for a minute, so we want to hear your input on these artists, and then we'll add a new artist to the mix. But are you ready, Tom? Okay. Yes, and I can pick the artist if you want also when I when we do one. Sure. Well, the first artist was uh, Justin Timberlake. Is he in the Hall of Fame? No. Let me uh, Next. let me restate that. <laughs> Halftime performer Justin Timberlake, who may or may not bring Janet oh Jackson back on stage. I mean, no. Uh, I don't even consider him a... R&B singer, really. I, I mean, I don't even... All right, all right. I don't know, man. Well, we talked about this, and I don't want to get too deep into it because we're running long anyway, but I kind of agree with Tom. Like, I think his first album was an R&B album. I will say that, but I do consider him a pop artist who makes R&B songs. That's all the right. thing. It's okay. Um, And then we had Babyface. Who's a definite yes. Even after the Ty Dolla Sign fiasco? <laughs> it took him down a notch, but he still has enough to make him in there. Just he didn't actually sing, so he's okay with me. Um, and then we have B2K. <laughs> what? <laughs> Kyle, you must have been bored that podcast. Oh No, no this that was, was actually Ed. me. This was Ed. This was me. Ed? Wow. I didn't we vote for them. I'm just here. adding them for conversation. Good Lord. We're really getting low on ideas, I guess, here. Yeah, Tom, they made you, Tom, they made you got served. That's a cultural, oh. historical film. 
<laughs> okay. Oh All right. That's a timepiece. All right. But it's still a no? No, definitely okay. not. And the last nomination we made, and this might actually get this person to unblock us on Twitter, and that's Keisha Cole. Yes or no? <laughs> So choose wisely. No. Come on. She was close, though. She's definitely out. She Listen, player, if it, if this was 2007, we might not be laughing her off so soon. But it's 2017, so got to kind of roll with Tom on this. Wait, Tom, don't you love the song Incapable? I mean, I heard it about... Oh, let's not go into that story. <laughs> We talked about it last week. Never already, don't worry. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> All right. Your turn. All right. Ready for this one, Ed? Mm-hmm. This is specifically directed at you. Okay. Gerald Levert. Oh, Lord. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Make your case, player. I don't have a case. He's before my time. I'm putting them on you. Oh my god! Before you, what was the first R&B album you bought? Cherish. Stop playing. <laughs> well, anyway, um, since this dude is off of it, let me spit facts. Gerald is one of the defining voices of the '90s player. That brother was not only part of an R&B legacy because, of course, his father was in the OJ's. For those who didn't know, then he was part of the Levert group. And then he did his own solo thing, dropping hit after hit after hit. But, of course, the highlight of his career, if you ask me, would have to be the greatest three-man group in the history of R&B, LSG. He put the G in LSG. My man, Gerald. I'm saying yes because I'm being biased. (laughs) Uh, Well, man. Kyle? (laughs) Um... Well, once upon a time, I interviewed his father, Eddie Levert. That was kind of cool. That's true. Well, he's um, a definite. He is? Yep. He's an OJ's player. A, Come on now. I think that's a different wing of this Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's the legacy wing. We won't get to that. All right, all right. <laughs> now, as far as Gerald, I mean, I, I, I don't know enough about Gerald, unfortunately, to, to speak on it. <laughs> So whatever, I'll tell you what, whatever Lachelle Wallace says, I'm with her, because she's usually right about these things. No. She's usually Uh, right. Shout out to my girl, but you got to be on the right side of history with this thing. I'm going to go with yes, and that's it. (laughs) I'm going with yes. Well, we got two yeses and my man in the Hall of Fame, yes. LSG is in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Well, wait a know. second. I don't think we got LSG. Johnny in. Yeah, I don't think yeah, we, Johnny we didn't. Johnny. No. Well, SG Ouch. is in the Hall of Fame. Two out of three, we rolling. <laughs> That's more than TGT. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Now let me ask you this before we get out of here. In terms of solo success. Can we say that TGT has been more successful than LSG as solo artists? Or am I speaking out of my mind right now? Uh, I think you speak. You're showing your age, player. 
Um, Keith well, Joe, has done Joe more than all, than all of them combined. I'm but looking Keith, here. Joe Levert has three platinum albums and two gold albums, if that means anything to you. And he's got some number one singles in there too, player. So no, Gerald and Keith alone destroyed all of LSG. I mean, all of TGT. So I disagree. Gerald Levert had to rely on Mystical to get him back to the top in 2002. Mystical. Who told you that lie? I don't know. I'm just looking at his Wikipedia right now. I don't know what's going on. Oh my god! <laughs> he has a song with Mystical. Now that's pretty funny. Oh my god! Is it? Wait good? a second. He had a song, he had a duet with Key Sweat. He had plenty of songs with Key Sweat. Just one of them things? Man, there's just something about two men singing together on a song. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you were just talking about your boy Babyface buddying up with Ty Dollar Sign. You didn't pull that card out then. I'm more so making fun of the fact that these days people don't even want to hear that. So we never hear those types of duets. It's no, pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Listen, it's just one of them things is my song. Stop hating. You make a good point, Tom. The, some... last, the last male duet that I can really think of was like Trey Songz and Chris Brown on a song together. It's a good what point. song was that? I don't know. It was on the X album. I don't... It was... Uh, it was uh, I forget what it's called. 12 Play? I know, because it was on the X album. You forgot yeah. that album existed. Like 90% of this man's albums. Alright, that's enough slandering. Anyways... Ed, tell us what's going on with So In Stereo before I kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. All right, player. So much going on with Soul In Stereo because for those who follow the blog knows that every November we follow the lead of my lovely wife who has a pretty successful blogging and women's writing group. So in November she has an initiative called Blog Like Crazy. And the initiative is for all of the writers in the house you post at least one article to your blog every day in the month of November. And since I'm a supportive husband, I am doing it too for like the sixth year in a row. So that means that every day in November, go to soulandstereo.com about, I don't know, 7 o'clock in the morning, whatever. We'll have one new piece of content every single day. And that includes Saturdays and Sundays. So if you haven't been by lately, you can go see... Ugh, Please, if you are listening to this, you must you are required to read my Chris Brown review because I did you a favor by not letting you listen to it. So the trade-off is you got to read this review because you're not going to put me in my grave early for nothing. So we got a review for Chris Brown. We got the new album of Big Crit. Reviewed his album, one of the better hip-hop joints of the year. We got reviews of 112 coming. We got reviews of Layla Hathaway coming. We've got a whole... 30 days worth of new content coming, so stop by the site. Going to be plenty of stuff popping throughout the month of November. Cool. Tom, what's going on with You Know I Got Soul? You've been MIA for the uh, last three weeks. <laughs> we've been a little a little low-key, but actually I've been thinking about the uh, countdown for uh, top songs of the year. That's coming up pretty soon. Yeah, it so is. So we're going we're gonna to have to... We're going to have to all get together on that. I've been trying to revisit some of the albums I missed and songs, so that's coming up fast. Excellent. Other than that, uh, I'm, I'm going to a Day 26 listening event tomorrow night. I'm excited about that. I don't know what I'm listening to. I didn't know they were coming out with an album, but uh, it should be interesting. <laughs> My God. <laughs> <laughs> cool. What? 
Come on, guys. It's cool to see groups back together. Let's. There's groups coming back together. We should be appreciative of that. Welcome back, Tom. Oh, that's all I got to say. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then for me, this is my very last podcast before I go to meet Ashanti. So I just want to let all the listeners oh, know yeah! that I love you guys. And if I don't come back, it means I married Ashanti. That's all I'm saying. Wow. Or it means you got arrested for stalking her outside her trailer. I think that option two is much more likely. Wow. Yeah. And I also actually get to meet Ja Rule as well. I forgot to mention that. Wait, are you actually in? I'm in. You got access? Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's big news. Um, Fun fact for you guys. The very first hip-hop song that I liked... That was not on the radio. That you know, I personally liked was "Race Against Time" by Ja Rule. This is a hundred percent facts. That is the most random hip hop song to get into. <laughs> I have ever. I would have never guessed that song. Never Weird, ever right? in a trillion years. Hey, but listen, this podcast we talked about Tyrese, and he was in the Fast and Furious movies, and that song was in the Fast and Furious movies as well. Oh boy. Anyways, one of the worst Fast and Furious music movies, but have fun with that. Listen, anyways, we are out of here. Um, oh, you know what? We forgot to talk about Chrisette Michelle's um, abortion picture or whatever. But I guess we don't really need to talk what? about that. What? You guys don't know about? Oh no! I don't know oh. if I want to know. Oh well, I'm gonna quickly summarize. I think she addressed it on the Breakfast Club, but Chrisette's been making some very deep and emotional posts on Instagram and one of her posts she let everyone know that she got an abortion recently and you know how on Instagram you can post more than one picture for a post and you just have to slide left and right on the post well on the picture uh, on one of the pictures she actually showed like the organs and the tissues of what happens when you do an abortion oh my god but no no this is the funny part though So the picture that she posted wasn't even a picture of her body parts. Someone did their Googling in Wikipedia and found that that picture was from like a forum from about four years ago from another random person on the internet. And she put another random person's abortion parts on her Instagram? Yep. Hmm. Tom, remember when I gave her album four four and a half stars? I'm about to take a star back. Oh, oh that <laughs> between that and performing at Trump's inauguration, Chrisette's not looking too good in these streets. <laughs> um, not at all. But wow. it's okay, Chrisette. We're gonna leave this off by saying we love you. We love you. <laughs> Eight exclamation points! Please block me. <laughs> All right, guys, we are out of here. I thank everyone for listening. We'll be back hopefully next week with another podcast. Until then, I want all of you guys to do your homework, listen to the Chris Brown album, read Ed's review of the Chris Brown album, and imagine what Ed was looking and feeling like after each song for about three hours. <laughs> and we're out. Pro- um, probably like a Chrisette Michelle Instagram post. Stop. <laughs> okay, we're out of here. Peace. Bye. Peace.